What's up, everybody? How you doing? This is Pastor Maxwell on Bring the Smoke. You notice how I say pastor this time, even though I'm always bringing controversy thing, but I have the bishop here. I have <laughs> the bishop Beavers in the house all the way from Birmingham. Birmingham, right? Or what? Yeah, Alabama. Birmingham, Alabama. Magic my, City. Oh, Magic City. There you go. Uh-oh. Magic City, you take that with Atlanta. You take me back. Nah, it's I, a different kind of Magic Okay. It's yeah, I ain't know. Okay, it's okay. very different. All right, because I understand. <laughs> you know, I know Magic Kingdom is holy, but then yeah, you say yeah. Magic City hey, in the hate. Kind of okay, city. all right. <laughs> yeah, I've been to Magic City before I was a pastor. I was really bringing smoke in. I was in your BC yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before you met Christ. Yeah, yeah, before I met Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And even after I met him a little while to, you know, the dust walk. I understand. <laughs> the residue. Yeah, man. I ain't gonna lie, when I turned 21, I was like, man, I ain't going to no club. Nick ain't nobody look at them. <laughs> anyway, we might not have to edit this, but I don't know, man. We're <laughs> bringing the smoke, so whatever. Anyway, all the way from Magic City. A ATL is not that Magic City. <laughs> <laughs> hey, anyway, I met I met Dr. Beavers. I met Bishop, man, at, at E. Dewey's Ambassadors, man, conference in Atlanta. I taught, he taught, and when I tell you, he gave a crazy piece on church growth. And I used to do church growth, it was funny. I used to see church growth at Green Forest, and I know how to do it, but sometimes, you know, when you be caught up in so many different things, you get tired. So I had to call him here because he's the expert. But what do people say, man? Like, do people, look at you funny sometimes and say, yeah, I know you're supposed to evangelize, but you, you marketing is, that's 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 not Christian like the market, but I mean, we need to grow the church. What, what do you say to people that say marketing is bad for churches? So so marketing is the secular term for evangelism. Exactly. And so a lot of people say it's a secular term, so because it's a secular term, they deem it is bad, but Evangelism is what we're all supposed to be doing. You know, Jesus gave us the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, go and make disciples of all nations, which means that every church is to have a worldwide ministry. And because of the pandemic, which has shifted everybody in a digital format, every church can have and should have a worldwide ministry. And so to anybody who says that marketing is bad, perhaps you're talking to somebody who does not want to reach people. And Jesus called us to reach people. Because me, some people say it's vain to try to grow the church to be too big. I say it's selfish for you not to try to grow because he said, go ye out into the world, right? And, 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 and baptize people in my name. He didn't just say do one person. In fact, he said, take this gospel from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the outer ends of the earth. I mean, you start with the inside, go further outside and go around the entire world to grow the church to grow the ministry, to make sure you bring everybody to Christ. So I don't understand it when people say, I don't understand. God is an abundant God. I don't see him doing small things. I just don't. He doesn't. So so even when you talk about church growth, Paul the Apostle, he said, I planted Apollo's water. God gave the increase. That's in 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 6. So Paul planted the church because he's an apostle. He moved on to establish and plant other churches. Apollos is a young guy who's coming up behind Paul. He takes over the reins in the absence of Paul. He said, I didn't come to pluck up what Paul planted. I came to water what Paul planted. And mm -hmm. ultimately it was God who gave the increase. So God grows his church, but he does not grow his church by way of osmosis. There's some things that we must do mm -hmm. in order to participate in the process of God growing his church. And it's all about heaven getting bigger and hell getting smaller. And so if heaven is such a great place that we say it is, why don't we want to bring anybody else with us? Every time somebody says yes to Jesus, heaven gets bigger, 
hell gets smaller. And that's really ultimately what church growth is all about. Wow. See, I believe the devil tried to trick us because I believe if you say you come by the blood of Jesus, you're going to heaven as long as you understand Christ died to be your savior and you try your best to do whatever. I always say you'll never be sinless, but you should sin less. And so my, my, my thing is um, when it comes to the church, I don't under, I just, I don't understand. I, I'm sorry. I got struggled with this. I don't understand why people don't want to bring people into the church. And a lot of times they, they don't want new converts. They want, somebody from First Baptist Denby. They want somebody from New Beach Grove. They want somebody from Gethsemane. They want somebody from the Potter's House. They want somebody from already made. So what what is it about churches that don't want to get the new converts, that don't want to get people who are, I want to reach those who not in church. I'm not saying if somebody come from a different church, that's fine, but I'm not fishing in their field. I'm not fishing in their church to get them. My job is to make sure that I get people who have never known Christ, who's never been to church, who never would have known who Christ is if it wasn't for our team. And I think that's exactly what Christ wants. Uh, anytime you want other people's members, you're fishing in a pool when God has called us to fish in the ocean. The ocean is so much bigger. And every church has its fair share of transfer growth, but at the same time, those are not necessarily the people that Christ has called us to go after. And I think one of the reasons that we get it twisted as Christians is because we don't understand God's heart for lost people. Mm. And so lost people in the eyes of God are those that are unchurched, unsaved, and unplanted. So those who may know Christ, who may have accepted Christ, but feel like I don't need the church. In essence, that's like saying to God, I love you, but I I can't stand your wife. Uh, Cause the church is the bride of Christ, wow. and so uh, so you got the unchurched, you got those that are unsaved, those who don't know Christ in general, and then those that are unplanted, those who go to church but they're not connected to a local church, they have not made it official. Those fall into the category of lost people. God is trying to find His lost children. If you think about yourself, and you go to a theme park, you from the A, okay? You lived in the A. Uh, one of the major theme parks is Six Flags over Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, sir. I've been to Six Flags several times, and I've been on high summer days when it's just thousands and thousands and thousands of people there, and I got a lot of kids. I've taken my kids to Six Flags. How do you think I would feel if I lost one of my children wow. in the crowd? I would be panicking. Uh, I would be frustrated. I would be upset. I would do everything within my power to try to find my lost children. Right, right. And anybody who was in the way of me finding my lost children, I'm not going to talk to them nice. I'm not going to say, <laughs> will you move out of my way? I'm trying to find my child. You, lost. <laughs> you know, if you move out the way, I'm trying to find my child. No, yeah. if you ain't helping me find my children, then I'm going to push you out of my way <laughs> to find my lost children. Well, wow. that's God's heart for his lost children. And basically what God is saying to the church, either you can help me find them, or you can get out of my way. Wow. I don't feel bad at all anymore because some people said, why did I let certain people leave the church when they left? And I'm like, well, they weren't really trying to pull people in. Some I had a person tell me that the church was growing too fast and too many people were getting saved. They just didn't know no better. Right. I said, so what did you, they said, what did you say to them? I, I said, bye. So why, what, why would I want to try to keep you there? I know you know Jesus. Maybe you'll be okay. Maybe you're the prodigal child. I don't know. But I know if you're not trying to help me bring in new converts because you offended. To me, this is what I heard. If too many people out here coming to this church that ain't already saved, that don't already know how to wear long dresses, that don't know how to already put on ties and spray on the fake perfume of praise, even though they like messed up. 
that's that's what I looked at. I don't I don't feel as I'm as important as I was because some of these people don't know my name and I can try to bully people and tell the past and everybody else what to do because as long as it's small and I got the same folk, I can control what's going on in here. That's that's I that's all I heard. I mean I heard, you know, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I totally agree. If they're not trying to help you reach lost people and they decide to leave on their uh, on their own, some people, it's better that they leave than that they stay because them staying could be a hindrance to the people that God is bringing inside of the church. What do you do when God is bringing new people to the church, but the people you already have are quickly pushing them away? And as a pastor, you can't figure out why you, you're winning people, but you can't keep people. Wow. And you don't even recognize it's the people who were already there before the new people came that are pushing the new people away. When God intends for us all to be one big happy family. And so some people, as we're talking about church growth, you really can't tackle church growth without talking about the elder brother syndrome. So a lot of times in Luke chapter number 15, we talk about the prodigal son and we talk about how wrong the prodigal son was, but we never really talk about the elder the brother son stayed at home. <laughs> when the elder brother uh when the prodigal son came back home it was the elder brother who was jealous it was the elder brother who was upset uh, upset frustrated agitated and irritated basically he was already there he didn't want somebody who hadn't been there to be there and we got a lot of people sitting in our churches who have an elder brother syndrome which hinders our church from keeping the people that God is bringing into the church. Wow. You know, I call them the prodigal son that stayed at home. There you go. The one that just stay in the pews, never go anywhere, and they don't fall into sin because they don't go out and do anything anyway. I mean, if you can sit up there and just hide in the pews, you should be okay if you're not mixing, mingling with the world, trying to bring people in. So, man, I, I mean, I, I just love the way the elder brother syndrome, my God. It hit me a little way because I'm the oldest, but it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want none of y'all being intentional. <laughs> Man, so what are some of the ways, because I know pastors out here that are listening, and you know, a lot of times we tackle big issues, and this is a big issue right now because some people aren't coming back to the church. How can we get people back into the church? What are some of the tools a pastor who may be losing members or feel like the members aren't coming back? What can they do in order to grow their church? So I, I've, I've seen the, the pandemic do two things. I have rarely heard any pastor say to me, after the pandemic, our church is maintaining. Most pastors I know, either you're moving in an upward trajectory and you're thriving or churches are dying out. And so, you know, a lot of us were heartbroken because the people that we used to see, we no longer see them. And for various reasons, some of them are online, some of them fell out of church altogether, and then some of them are back in the building, and then some of them got a whiff of somebody else's ministry and they liked it, and people from different churches joined in other places. However, I believe that every church is not gonna be a mega church, but every church can be bigger than what it is. So it's our responsibility to participate with God in the process. What are you doing to reach out to people? Your church is not going to grow if you're not reaching out. What is your community need? And so everybody's outreach doesn't look the same, but everybody should be doing outreach. And so in our community, our zip code is 35206. It's high crime. It's high poverty. I believe the two are interconnected. When people don't have what they need, they take it by any means necessary. And so we do ministry in two different ways. We relieve people through outreach which is Matthew 25 alive. Uh, when I was hungry, you fed me. Thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Sick, you came to see me. In prison, you came to see me. 
Uh, and as much as you did it to the least of these, you've done it under me. But we also empower people through community development. We see community development as how we develop people. Communities are people and not buildings. And it doesn't mean that you don't need a building, but your build, but your uh, your vision dictates the kind of building that you need. So we develop people holistically through education, financial literacy, workforce development, housing, recreation, and the church. We chose those six areas intentionally because we believe that for any community to have a shot at long-term prosperity, that there has to be a synergy and a working together and people being empowered around those six areas. Now, our community is not every community, but wherever your church is in the community that it's in, see what your community needs and then figure out how you can meet that need. And once you start meeting needs, you won't necessarily be chasing people, but people will start chasing you. Right, right. Wow, you're supposed to solve problems, man. That's 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 business one-on-one, but that's also what Jesus would do. Jesus, I mean, James said, when your brother hungry, feed him. Then talk about Jesus. Why would one, somebody want to hear about Jesus and you just sit there talking about Jesus and they're hungry and you can't get them a sandwich to eat? You understand? So, oh my God, I love that, man. Find the need. Find the need. What is the need in your city? What is the need in your area? And meet that need. Because you know what? It's always need. Because the, the Bible says the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And every church, even though it's a lot of churches on the block, some churches not going to get involved in outreach. I remember when the pandemic happened. A lot of different churches that were never doing outreach started doing outreach like us. And everybody like, wow, man, they're going to do it. And then once the pandemic was over, they went right back to doing what they were doing. They didn't yeah. even continue to do the outreach. But see, we, we're, this is our DNA. Our DNA, our mission is to um, build kingdom-minded people to serve the community. And our community is not just our immediate community. Our community is ev- everywhere. Our community is here. Our community is Newport News, community Hampton Roads, the United States, Africa, wherever. So we want to build kingdom-minded people to teach them and make sure that we show them how to serve the community. You always want to be serving and whatever there's a need, we always want to be there to meet that need. So, man, you, you, you the man, man. And that's big. One thing you said, uh, you referenced the scripture in Matthew 9, 37 and 38. The harvest is plenty as the labor is a few. So when Jesus makes that statement to his disciples, Jesus is presenting an obstacle, but he's also presenting an opportunity. Now, here's what's crazy. The obstacle that he presents is not in the world. The obstacle he presents is in the church. <laughs> so a lot of times in the church, we point our finger at the world and we say the problem is in the world. And Jesus is not pointing his finger at the world. He's pointing his finger at the church and said, the problem I have is with the church. He says, the harvest is plenty. That's that's the opportunity in the world. Those that are unsaved, unchurched, unreverent. It's a whole lot of those people in the world. He says, the problem I have is in the church. The laborers are few. And so we look at the promise. Golly. The promise is in the world. The problem is in the church. Dude, what's so crazy is, I ain't even pick up as petty as I am. I ain't even pick up on the subtle shade. I did not pick up on the subtle shade in the day. I looked at it like it ain't that many church people. So you know what? We ain't got that many labor. But no, even though you got a lot of church folk, a lot of them don't want to do the labor because they don't want to reach out to those who don't look like them. So we got to get oh out. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Oh You're my king God. of petty. Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess Jesus was the king oh, of all. Oh, they always. Oh, my God, man. Yeah, man. So, so, so basically, he says the problem is in the church. So we got to get our people to go from sitting to serving. We got to have a serve mindset, sitting to serving. And as we step out and we start serving, 
basically, you know, a lot of people don't know where to serve, but as your people, what irritates you? Because a lot of times the area of your irritation is the area where you're supposed to be serving. Exactly. Exactly. I can't stand when I see somebody walking and they're not exercising. If they don't have, if they walk in and they don't have a car, if they don't have money, I always want to meet that need when somebody, when somebody's poor, I want to teach them how to make money. I want to teach them how to be prosperous. I want to teach them how to invest in real estate. Or I want to make sure, first of all, make sure we get them off the street. So we work with, with Lincoln Port to make sure that we, um, that we take care of the homeless and those who don't have, who don't have, who don't have the means to take care of themselves. So yes, when it irritates you, you need to do it. So anytime somebody come to me, further my son, I would say, hey, hey, get their number. Hey, make sure you put them on this. They need to be over there. And some of them come back and do it, but then some of them, they just want to complain. Right. And, but when, with those who really are complaining and, and irritated and have that passion, a lot of time we end up, you know, starting a different ministry around them because that's what their passion is. Cause certain stuff won't irritate you if it's, if it's not your passion. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Like Reverend Guns, I love you, but Reverend Guns wants me to go out of the country every year. I don't want to go out of the country every year. I'm not even bad. That's why I said Kimberly and other people. I don't Are you talking go. about the Dr. Jeffrey? Gunn. Yes, I'm talking about him. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About this high, but he a gangster as a mug. You know what I'm saying? No, you need to go to Africa. You can't just send your members. I went, I went a couple of times, man, but you know, he go to Africa so much. Some people think he African. Like man, that dude, right? Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> <laughs> they be thinking, man. Yeah, yeah. When I got here, like man, that dude, they African. He don't even sound African. Yeah. They're like, man, I'm telling you, you just got here. You don't know he. You know that's what they were telling me because I'm from Atlanta. Yeah, because I'm from Atlanta. Anyway, find out. He like, no, I ain't from 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 Africa. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, man, he does a lot of great work, but that's his passion. Yeah. His passion is so great with evangelism. He get irritated. If I ain't going out to Africa, dude, I, I'm here. I'm doing yeah. my stuff in the streets. I like taking care of Newport News. I like taking care of Hampton Roads. Yeah. I like taking care of Virginia. You know, I go to Africa every now and then while I send someone, but that's not my passion. But that joke, anytime he sees something, you got to go to Africa, you got to go to Africa. But anyway, I love you, guns, but I just wanted to give that example because I know that's what he wants to do, period. He wants to always make sure he's building up Africa, he's building up Haiti, he's taking care of countries around the world that may not understand and have a relationship with Jesus. So basically he's serving where he's passionate. Exactly. And really that's what all of our people should be doing. And that's really my goal as the pastor. As the pastor, I don't want to be the star of our church. Yeah. Like I love to preach. I love to lead. God gifted me to preach. He gifted me to lead people. And I literally light up doing what I'm doing because I'm so passionate about this. Everybody doesn't necessarily have that gift, but everybody has a gift. And my goal as a pastor is to get everybody inside of my congregation to find what they are a 10 at yeah. and get them in a lane so they can run. Because watch this, when people light up because they're operating in their gift, because they're running in their lane and when they feel their freedom and they feel their energy, when they start to feel like I feel concerning what they do, the way I feel like I feel concerning what I do, then automatically they take a healthy ownership inside of your church. Yes. And when they have a healthy ownership, they automatically start bringing and inviting other people inside of the church. So my goal is really to get people light up. If, if I can get you to find what you are a 10 at and create a space for you to be able to do that, churches grow from the inside out, not the outside in. Mm. If you, you grow your crowd by growing your core. Yes. That sounds good, bro. Is the truth? That's 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 it, man. Oh my God, that's that's 
That's it, because you, you definitely have to find, that's why I always do the spiritual gifts to find out what their passion is. So we're winning the war in the spirit, but then aside from that, you got to have a strategy. You got to have a strategy. And our strategy is that I believe it's God's strategy. We didn't make it up. I mean, God want to get people saved, delivered, redeemed, and fulfilled. Mm. And so he wants to get them saved to bring them out of the world, delivered, bring the world out of them. Mm. Redeemed, I want you to discover your purpose, your spiritual gifts, and fulfill. Now I want to get you somewhere serving, making, making a difference for the kingdom of God. Wow. Some pastors are filled with the Holy Spirit, yielded to the Holy Spirit, but they have no strategy. Some pastors have this grand strategy, but they're not yielded to the Holy Spirit. It's not either or, it's both hands. So in the spirit, like you literally got to win the war in the spirit. Um, church growth is like real estate. When I talk about real estate, God is not making any more new land. And so if USA decided we want to get bigger, then Canada and Mexico have to get smaller for the USA to get bigger because God is not making any more new land. But guess what? If they're getting smaller and we're getting bitter, bigger, they're not giving it up without a fight. So every time somebody says yes to Jesus, heaven gets bigger and hell gets smaller, but Satan does not give it up without a fight. And so we literally have to war in the spirit. There's certain prayers that we pray, uh, prayer and fasting. Uh, Romans chapter eight, verse 15, that God will release the spirit of adoption that they would see God as a loving father and not a distant God. Uh, we pray that the harvest is plenty as the laborers are few. God, send us forth as laborers to plant the seed of the gospel, to water the seed of the gospel. God, you give the increase. John 6, 44, no man comes unto the father except the spirit draws him, that God would draw them by the power of his Holy Spirit. Uh, we bind up demonic principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, so that God's people can be free to make a decision for Jesus absent the influence of demonic influence. And so you got to win the war in the spirit, but then on top of that, you got to have a strategy. You got to have a strategy. I believe that our strategy is God's strategy. We want to see people saved, delivered, redeemed, and fulfilled. So the Bible says, you know, he would do exceedingly abundantly above whatever you can ask, think, or imagine according to the power that works in you, which means you need to do something. Faith without works is what? dead you need to do something you cannot just go in there and pray and do nothing like you said pray and fast watch and pray do work and pray use your mind and your spirit do both you can't have one without the other i love that and back to the gifts stop trying to be like well i was i was we was tripping on guns because guns try to make all us go to evangelize but you have to know who you are you have to know who you are in Christ and do whatever God has gifted you to do and don't let anyone strong arm you into moving into an area that you're not gifted in or you're not passionate about. So a lot of times church people, we manipulate individuals don't even realize it. Just because that's your gift, that doesn't mean it's my gift. If you got gift of evangelism, go evangelize, but don't try to make me be in the band because that's not my gift. You have a gift of pastoring and teaching, but we can't make other people pass and teach because that's our gift. Somebody else may have a gift of hospitality. You understand? I, I got all this stuff, but shoot, Ashley Jonathan and them set all this stuff up. You know, I ain't do all this stuff. But they and they're like they like they live here. You know what I'm saying? Because that's, that's I, I, I'm I can you know that ain't that ain't my strongest gift. It's hosting, so I get other people that know how to do it. So what am I saying? Stop trying to be like everybody else. Like he's saying, stay in your lane. God has gifted you. God has given you a purpose. 
that only you can do. No one else can do it. Just like you only have your own unique fingerprints, you you have a unique purpose that nobody can complete and fulfill but you. Nobody can lay hold of it. It's made for your fingerprints. It's made for your spirit. It's made for your personality. It's made for your giftings. Stay in your lane. Follow your giftings and your passion and watch how God uses you mightily. Alright, that's a wrap. We finna go eat. Holla. Hey everybody, how you doing? This book is a book I believe everyone should buy. Not just because I wrote it, but because this book was birthed out of pain. And you learned so much during those painful moments. This is called Leadership Growth, The Power and the Pain. You can't have the power unless you've been through the pain. Bishop Morton wrote the foreword. It's been endorsed as well by our former governor, uh, Terry McAuliffe, and by our Newport News Sheriff, Sheriff Gabriel Morgan. I promise you this book will bless you. Please get it, not just for me, but to bless you. Go to willamaxwell.org or click on the links below, and I promise you this book will bless you. If you don't just buy it for yourself, buy it for someone else. It's a short read, but it's a powerful read. I've been getting testimonies all across the country, and I promise you, it will bless your life.